The Inland Empire of Washington State is an exciting place to be. Hammers are swinging, cranes are craning, machines are buzzing, robots are learning, and the region is full of life. Welcome to the Irons in the Fire podcast, a show exploring the many exciting and innovative businesses that drive and promote our local economy here in Spokane, Washington, and beyond. So lean in, because you're going to hear some valuable and behind-the-scenes insights from some of the area's top manufacturing companies, aerospace companies, and some of the best business minds in the region. Together, we're putting more irons in the fire. Well, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Irons in the Fire podcast. I'm here in beautiful Post Falls, Idaho, sitting down in the headquarters of Tedder Industries here. With our guests on the show today, CEO of the company, Tim Trito. Tim, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, happy to be here. So Tedder's a pretty incredible company. They've, uh, they've been around for, for quite some time, um, a little bit newer to the area, but uh, have definitely made a, a great impact already. And um, number one, I just uh, those who have been in the Post Falls area um, for a time would remember the uh, Post Falls outlet stores out here and then uh for quite a time they were uh vacant and it was kind of a an eyesore of an area i guess you would say but uh, tedder industries has sort of revamped this area and revitalized and, and brought some energy back to this uh piece of uh piece of real estate and and property so exciting times out here and uh tim just kind of maybe take us through uh, a high level of what the company does and then we'll dive in a little bit to your career progression as well Sounds good. So yeah, from a high level, uh, we make everything gun holsters. So uh, it started out as a concealed carry, uh, primarily company with, you know, Thomas started in his kitchen around, I think, seven years ago, made his first holster and then kicked off Old Faithful holsters and then uh, learned some things about the market and then kicked off Alien Gear holsters as, a, you know, kind of a better positioned brand and um, through innovation and hard work and great marketing and a great product that the company's just grown and grown. Um, so from concealed carry holsters, we branched out into all kinds of open carry options and then uh, developed a really innovative shapeshift line that is a, like a modular holster system that's like Legos for holsters. You can oh, nice. reconfigure the holster and, and make take it from um, an outside the waistband to um, an inside the waistband or to a shoulder holster or ankle and, and so on. Um, and then most recently, we've developed a duty holster that we're really excited to take to law enforcement and military. Nice. Kind of, a, it's always a nice excuse to get to play with Legos. We all <laughs> grew up with that. And uh, true, yeah. as an adult, if you get a chance to play with something like that, it's, it's yeah. you'll take it. <laughs> yeah, anytime I can spend an R&D, it's definitely an excuse to procrastinate. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a lot of fun designing and developing products. That's so. where the fun's at. Yeah. Awesome. So am I correct? You were recently uh, promoted the CEO of the company. Talk about how that went and um, kind of how your... Um, story unfolded to get there. Sure. So I started out career-wise, um, degree-wise as a mechanical engineer, and then uh, had some great opportunities and learned a ton about, you know, development of products and taking them to market and manufacturing. And um, <coughs> I connected with Thomas about a little over five years ago and helped develop um, 
I was I was consulting at the time, and I consulted and helped him develop uh, his clips for his original um, IWB holster, and then we developed what we call the cloak mod, and then from there jumped in and helped revamp production, and we converted it to a lean manufacturing from like a traditional batch and queue, and and you know one thing led to another, and we just kind of kept working together, and um, and and the company grew as I grew, and sort of everything fit so here i am today as ceo <laughs> nice so what what do you like most about the ceo position oh it's a good question um like most <laughs> there's a lot of autonomy that's for sure um and challenge for me I, I love a good challenge and um boy if a ceo position doesn't challenge someone you're probably not fit for the position really that's true um so a lot of great opportunities a lot of autonomy to you know just explore and work 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 towards the different objectives and a lot of team building and um uh growing people growing myself so i guess it's i kind yeah. of went all over the place but what's most uh what, what your original question i guess was what i enjoy the most i guess all of that <laughs> yeah no it's cool that you view it as a challenge too because i think when people that don't view it as a challenge that become a ceo that's when you uh, have it all figured out innovation yeah. and yeah. lose sight of new ideas so right yeah congratulations yeah. on that talking a little bit about um before we dive into more of our questions around the company about your personal life things move pretty quick around here mm -hmm. and how do you release from uh maybe the stresses of of work here um so i'd really do try to and you know as, as much as work can follow you now with taking your phone That's right. and buzzing yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> I turn off a lot of the alerts at home and, you know, try to truly just push in the clutch so that I can, you know, shift to the next gear when I come back. Because um, if I just keep going and going and going, it's like you're, you're redlining, you know, just bouncing off yeah. the, the red line and you're just going to blow an engine or, or burn out. So I, yeah. I, do, I do definitely stay engaged and, and I'm, it's hard. It's actually hard to not think about work you know you're still always kind of brainstorming or trying to figure something out but um so aside from un trying to unplug um definitely family is one thing that i really try to invest in and um uh spend spend my time and engage with uh we do for now it's the boating season so we'll be out on Coraline lake and playing nice. and then when the snow comes again we'll head up to the mountain and uh, go skiing and um so pretty much my hobby is the, is the family. So, Very nice. Yeah. So it sounds like wife and kids. How many kids do you have? I have four. So um, great kids. Couldn't imagine life without any of them. So That's um, awesome. Yeah, they're, they're uh, five through 12. So Nice. Yeah. I'm in the same boat. I have four kids and uh, <laughs> a little bit younger, but right. um, so we can, can We can share that. some more stories. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some battle, yeah. battle stories for yeah. sure. Yeah. <laughs> So Tim, to shift gears to the company a little bit, how do you stay up to speed on the different gun model releases that are out there? You guys uh, fit a lot of different guns, and how do you keep ahead of the curve on that? Sure, uh, we have a f um, you know a couple people responsible for keeping their ear to the ground, and 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 there's actually a lot of enthusiasts in the company too that are they'll kind of come up and make sure, hey, did you did you catch this this new model release? So, <laughs> um, so between the people that are kind of assigned to it and then you know the enthusiasts in the company we definitely stay on top of it um so yeah that 
nice nice because that yeah definitely would be a, a challenge with yeah. all the the models yeah. and, that we are out there, and so. we network you know at trade shows and you know, we're we partner up with manufacturers doing some co-branding like co-branded a hol- uh, holster with um like springfield and i think we're doing it again with h and k and um nice so yeah we very cool try to build relationships and network and so on so Awesome. So we we toured the plant, and I was impressed by um, you have a just in time assembly process that is pretty impressive. I think it uh, allows for a lot of um, quick moving delivery, but also your inventory levels can be a bit lower. Mm-hmm. Um, talk about this process and what other advantages it brings. Sure. So the, I mean, a primary advantage is no work in process or limited work in process. So you don't have all your your inventory on the shelf and finished goods and you're not overproducing the wrong item that customers don't end up ordering and so on. So uh, very efficient. Um, nothing in and out of storage is another efficiency gain. Um, and it's sort of, it's kind of like, uh, yeah, idealism leads to reality follows. So ideal is I just make it as soon as they order it. Right. And so we, you know, that's the target and that's the goal. So you, then you, you know, what, what do we need to do in order to reach that goal? So, you know, using that goal, goal post or milestone or the marker as, yeah. you know, to direct your behavior. So anyway, um, yeah. What kind sense. of, what kind of downsides are there to a just in time delivery method? Um, so good question. I guess a main downside would be um, same day lead time would be difficult to meet if you don't iron out all those you know abnormal spikes in demand mm-hmm. um, so so you have to be on top of you know uh, understanding what your customers are going to order and understanding dem- what demand you're going to have to meet so if you're not on top of that you're going to maybe not be prepared to to um, accommodate any spike in demand so but we're right. prepared and we, we have a good pulse on things and we've ironed out a lot of those anomalies to hopefully eliminate those downsides so do you have processes that are specific to when there is a spike in demand that's unexpected do you have kind of processes built in to be able to deal with that or is it just that your process handles the ebbs and flows naturally? yeah the ebbs and flows good question so we we kind of build like some semi-finished goods and you know so it's not um it's like it's a science. We try to use science, yeah. and math, and statistics, and determine. You know, uh, we build what's called like a labor battery. So some of the hard things that could be difficult to um, ramp up if there's say double double demand or something all, all of a sudden, which we've had two, yeah. two and three times. Um, we so we kind of just build a battery or a buffer um, of some semi finished goods that would allow allow us to just quickly you know, deplete that battery and then, you know, level out that demand. So, wow. I don't know if that answers your question. No, that's, that's exactly what I was wondering. That's cool. Yeah. And then you have, Oh, go ahead. Well, it's, it's, I mean, it, it's another kind of just fun phrase, but it's, it's hard work that makes everything easy. So that's, that's the idea. You just adjust process along the way and make sure you're making decisions based on, on the right goal, which is, you know, just in time and ideal order comes in order goes out so nice yeah to sidestep a little bit on that topic how do you come up with your new ideas and and determine test etc determine if they're good to implement 
Um, so I do a lot of mining of the market and we'll do surveys and try to understand the customer's, you know, uh, vantage and wants and desires. Um, we'll even survey different ideas, different, we'll develop the products alongside customers too. Um, so that's, that's part of development, but as far as what to produce, um, Thomas was a big piece of that. I'm a big piece of that, our R&D team. Um, some of the other people from marketing kind of, we all try to triangulate or, you know, get a good advantage of yeah. the market and bring bring the innovation, which we've been very successful at so far. So, And then with, like, process innovation, how do you go about uh, trying to make that better? Uh, good good question. Um, similar concept. It, I put We put the burden on the team that's doing the work. So we tried to, if anything's bugging you on the floor, like you, you yeah. almost have a responsibility to improve it. Um, and so they have an, we have an idea board. I don't know if you saw that on the yeah. floor, but yeah. yeah. So we solicit and almost mandate, please bring us our, your ideas and we'll, we'll make them happen. And then, um, so we keep track of ideas and, and we even make videos about it. So you have to show a video. Of, oh, nice. Grab a selfie stick and show the, the before and after of your idea. And um, that's fine. We reward people with the most ideas. But really, it's just the, the intent is that um, you just own it. If something bugs you, please, please fix it. And, you know, you can't complain about it. You just have to fix it. You have to bring yeah. solutions and, and work together with the team and offer it up to the managers and and people vote on those ideas too, on as, which ones are going to go forward and which ones aren't. So that's pretty refreshing because yeah. it's the it's the boots on the ground that really understand kind of the details, yeah. I guess, of what they're doing. And so yeah, improvement and also, doesn't come from the the boardroom. And, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, on the whiteboard in the office versus right there on the production floor, they know what's bugging them. So yeah. and then I think people um, will be more loyal to the company because they feel like their ideas are heard yeah. and and their frustrations have a process to yeah to be vetted out and yeah hopefully yeah fixed so nice so you guys do retail sales like i can go online and buy a holster do you also do some wholesale we do yeah we we've got a pretty expansive dealer network um it's still growing it's fairly new for us um originally we were growing so fast online that it was you know, something we could, we kind of could ignore and healthily ignored, like a strategic yeah. no, like let's just not get into that just yet um, so we can figure out all of our, you know, other demand and processes and make sure we're taking care of the customers we already have. Um, so we have kicked that off. We have, um, I probably shouldn't say the number of stores, but we, we have a pretty good footprint yeah. and um, still growing. So um, we do consider ourselves a market leader um, based on, you know, animal search volume and um, uh, some other s studies we've done, and we we consider ourselves to have, as far as consumers, the the we're the market leading holster brand. So that's impressive. Yeah, right here in Post Falls, Idaho. I love it. Yeah. And uh, so, what? Uh, how do you? You've got a lot of distributors. How do you manage the logistics around? Just I guess getting the products to the distributors and in the consumers' hands. There's sure. We have a really talented and smart team, um, so uh, we I've automated a lot of our shipping, um, implementing like a 
something that Amazon should probably study some more, like oh, yeah. predictive uh, <laughs> modeling on their boxes and, and which box should fit which products. That's funny. I'll still get, you know, admittedly, I do shop on Amazon and I'm one of the 60% or whatever that does, but, you know, I'll get a huge box for this small, like, <laughs> small <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. item. But <laughs> anyway, um, so distribution is, um, uh, it's pretty well, pretty well dialed in, automated through, you know, USPS and UPS, so. So if Jeff Bezos is listening to this podcast, yeah. uh, maybe he'll reach out to you for yeah, a few. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure they could save a few bucks on that cardboard. So. That's great. So when I was here the first time, I was in the lobby, and it uh, there was a couple of customers in the lobby just chatting, and it was apparent that they're super loyal to the brand, yeah. to you guys as a company. What creates that? Um, it, making it part of your... Uh, values as a company maybe it would be a, the first step um, yeah when I first met Thomas he kept saying well how's that better for the customer what's best for the customer and I thought man this guy gets it because usually people kind of talk about it but don't actually bring it up in normal everyday conversation and so, yeah um, I said it today in a meeting because like well which which option is better for the customer because we're waffling on a decision and um, so really truly putting your your money a lot of times we put our money where our mouth is and yeah said how is this better for the customer so that's one piece another piece is uh, our social media you know we have like 1.1 million or so facebook followers and wow um and we're interacting with them on that platform and then we have this other community that we we moderate uh on facebook and um there's just there's truly like like a a network uh, that we're really true do try to you know interact with them and learn and and there's and there's a lot of great things to talk about and um, we have a live broadcast host that uh, and a crew that supports them and works with them too that um, they're really it's like they're doing life together you know he's having a baby and they're asking about you know what <laughs> when is the baby you know did it come and what's what's how big is it you know so nice. um <laughs> not only that that's just one example but they really uh we do try to interact and and not only you know uh like i mentioned we really do uh, offer innovative quality products and if yeah. people want to see that nowadays it's it's nice to have a product that a company will stand behind and and uh, yeah, with it's, these it's best in class. So. Yeah, with these that I ran into in the lobby, um, they had driven two or three hours to get here, and nice. That wasn't even a problem to them. Wow. They they couldn't. Uh, I could tell they didn't have uh, another alternative that they that they wanted to go to. So they wow. They weren't afraid to drive here, and that's um, awesome. Were, were that, cool was that just hear. now? No, that that was the first time I was oh, here. Oh, out of two weeks the ago. Tour, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah, huh. it was neat to hear. I mean, yeah. it was unsolicited That's kind cool. of feedback. On yeah, the I love it. Yeah, we'll be at trade shows too, and <laughs> like uh, we'll be kind of giving a demo of a of a holster, and then somebody else will come and be like, "Buy that holster now! <laughs> you are dumb if you don't buy that holster." It's kind of funny, but it's uh, cool. Great marketing. It, from it, the, like literally, yeah, they'll come up and uh, basically we just have to shut up and get out of the way and let the the customers uh that word of mouth and that uh, recognition is powerful so that's awesome um on that line a few quotes from your endorsers so a u.s usa carry said this is the future of concealed carry uh, concealed nation says best holster in the history of ever wide open spaces says changing how we think of holsters forever 
how does it feel to, to get these kind of endorsements and testimonials? Uh, just feels right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we almost, we expect it. Um, we expect the rave reviews because we don't, we don't let it out the door unless we're like happy about it. And yeah. Something that we'd be happy um, and using. Um, so I, I think it just shows that it's like an equation, you know, passion for product plus innovation and hard work equals you're gonna you're gonna make make a dent and get some rave reviews so um hopefully it speaks to our passion for the product so. definitely well and something that also kind of drives that it seems like i heard somebody say maybe it was thomas the he said people don't want to buy a quarter inch drill they want a quarter inch hole mm-hmm. and it seems like you guys design your products with that in mind all the time yeah yep yep the back to the values of so value number one is we deliver the we have an unbreakable desire to deliver the finest products ever made. So um, hopefully it speaks to that and, and the other value of asking what's best for the customer. So, um, yeah. Yeah, that's great. So what are the, talking a little bit about the uh, community of Post Falls here, and I guess the greater Spokane region, what are the primary benefits of having a headquarters here in, in Post Falls, Idaho? Um, I think most people would agree that, uh, the pace of life is, is great. You know, if you do any traveling, go to big, uh, metropolis or, uh, say LA or something, you start to panic and hyperventilate. How do you get out of this, <laughs> this jungle? Yeah. And, uh, so the pace of life is great I'm not stuck in traffic. Um, and out outdoors in any direction I can, I can kind of be outdoors um, the people and the community uh, that, that actually does, and maybe it's the size of the area, but there's a great sense of community with the businesses and, and the people too. Um, and there's still enough industry around to support, you know, a good, good job. You can, you can afford a house still, sort of. Maybe it's not as the case anymore. <laughs> the last couple of years, it got went back up, but you can, you know, you can, you can live and work and, um, yeah. So. Yeah, the word's kind of getting out on this market, and so that's yeah. pushing our real estate up <laughs> yeah. a little bit. But yeah, yeah. For those of us who have been in the house for a while here, it's kind of a nice thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, so I mentioned this a little bit at the beginning, but it, it's been a man. It's been a sight for sore eyes to see these old factory outlets put to use again, and um, you're using the entire south building here for the manufacturing process, and there's some great vendors on the north side um, that I'm familiar with as well, but uh, just really has injected a lot of life into this area again. Mm -hmm. Um, What do you see as if you had to predict kind of the next two or three years of this particular area, um, what kind of growth do you see? Uh, How will it change maybe these buildings or? The um, buildings and maybe are there additional uh, expansion opportunities right here in this in this location, location. As yeah, well. we have. So we we occupy the south side of the outlet malls, and um, we're about seventy percent or so filled up. So we have some room there for. Um, and our manufacturing is pretty, um, I guess, efficient as far as real estate footprint, and so we can scale quite a bit out of this building still, um, and not have to expand out of the building. Um, so, but it has been great to have all this space here. Uh, so we. We were able to create like you know a big 
training room for the team. You know, I think it was like an old sunglass hut. Oh, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> it was like this really nice uh, retail space. And we're like, hey, let's just make this a cool training room. And um, I don't know if you saw that. Video. I did. Yeah, it's yeah, a great room. The, the yeah. tetter, we call it Tedder University. So we have classes there and we do our Tedder talks every uh, oh, other nice. week. <laughs> <laughs> so any, anyone can talk about a you know, subject they're passionate about um, every other week. Anyway, I think I'm digressing. But uh, so there's other spaces that we were able to use that is kind of just more for 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 culture and for fun, like a, a gym even. So hopefully we never have to invade those spaces because we're out of yeah. offices but, um, or or, re, or manufacturing. But um, so I think I think this 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 has been a great, great um, spot for us. We were looking to build and then the bid came in like twice as much where we were thinking and then fortunately the outlet malls kind of popped up as an opportunity and everything kind of fell into place and it was a it was really a win-win for the community um we were i was overwhelmed at uh kind of the response you know like the mayor had us come out and you know yeah. do a press release and all these things and thomas and i were just thinking um you know gosh this is uh this is kind of a bigger deal than we thought <laughs> <laughs> um but it really worked out great is it and uh you know certainly happy that 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 we were able to lift the eyesore and yeah um yeah definitely breathe some life into it and have the parking lots filled up again and uh and the gateway to post falls kind of is, is yeah. not like this abandoned ghost <laughs> town like what's wrong with this town it's, it's abandoned deal. yeah um that's what people may might have thought but um town's great it's just this outlet malls were abandoned so yeah know. yeah well man Tim, thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. I, it's been super interesting hearing a little bit more about the behind the scenes of Tedder Industries and uh, hear a bit more about yourself personally. Um, and I know the listeners out there are going to get a lot of value in, in hearing about, you know, the, they always get a lot of value in hearing about the great companies that uh, are part of this community, and you're certainly one of those. So thanks for spending the time today. If people want to get in touch and learn a little bit more about the company, how, what's the best way to do that? Sure. Uh, AlienGearHolsters.com is uh, the main product line. We also have Bigfoot gun belts, and we have a new female division that we kicked off uh, specifically for women, and that's Tactica Holsters. Oh, TacticaFashion.com, okay. I believe. And um, so that's a fun one. I could talk about that too, but I should probably stop. But um, those are the best ways. And then Tedder, Tedder is the um, main company, and, and that's in the old outlet malls. If you want to find us in person, you can stop in and shop our products. So nice. Hey, you should talk a little bit about the Tactica. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just about to wrap up. Uh, <laughs> sure. So we we were we took a stab at um, developing holsters for women and. And we were doing some market testing and user focus groups, and they kind of hated everything we came up with. <laughs> and so we were learning, and we realized, you know, we should probably dedicate an actual brand and team to this. So we found a, a fashion designer, um, Sandy Little, and hired her on as a president. And she said, here you go, take this team and take this idea and run with it. So she's really developed, an, um, you know, she's trying to develop these clothing that allows for um, basically, you don't want to sacrifice your sense of style so you can carry. Oh, yeah, idea. yeah. And and so we have purses and we have excellent um, clothing lines coming up and um, recently released that uh, would allow, like, access to a, a firearm. And, and then we have a 
a complete line of holsters with women in mind. So we, you know, a little bit smaller footprints or mm-hmm. um, different carry positions and stuff. So, yeah, it's, awesome. it's actually been a fun effort. We've been doing it for almost a year now, and we have the full line kicked off. And, um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. So That's great. Yeah. Thanks for diving into that a little yeah, bit. Yeah. yeah, and thanks for your time again, Tim. This has been fun. Yeah, very, very great time. So thanks for coming out. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Irons in the Fire podcast, a show which explores the many facets of manufacturing and aerospace here in the Inland Empire. Also, please remember to subscribe through iTunes or Google Play by searching Irons in the Fire. And if you like the show, give us a five-star rating. More details and information about the show can be found on my webpage, ironsinthefirepodcast.com. Again, ironsinthefirepodcast.com. And be sure to spread the word. Let's continue to forge the future of manufacturing and put more irons in the fire. Until next time, thanks for listening.